Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This is episode 159, Fast and Furious Spy Racers, Sahara, Lap 7. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And this episode is brought to you by Kinetic Sand. Kinetic Sand is the original squeezable sand that you can't put down. Kinetic Sand is 98% sand and 2% magic. So you can pull it, shape it, and mold it to create incredible sand art. Shout out to Kinetic Sand. Well, shout out to Kinetic Sand, and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. After the break, we will be joined by Nico and Kevo of Husbands Talking More or Less to talk about Fast and Furious Spy Racers, Sahara, Sahara. the final episode in the 50-episode seventh lap. But Joe, extracurricular activities, what have you been up to since we, I guess, spoke to Nico and Kevo? Today's a big shit show. I realize, you know, now, so we record on Wednesdays, right? And so yes. this Wednesday we're recording and the world is on fire. The next Wednesday Literally. we're not recording because the Penguins are doing. Yes. And then the Wednesday after that is Inauguration Day. So, like, it is going to be a weird timeline, chronology, history of, like, what's going on in the world, right? So, but yes, very strange. Yes, so today's just a wacky day, but I have something cool that I wanted to share with you on the completely other end of the spectrum, okay? There is this YouTube channel called Baumgartner Restorations, and there's this guy, and all he does is he restores old paintings, and he's like a professional conservator, and he breaks down like how he does it and why he does it and how he gets it off the old matting and all the types of glue and the solvents that he uses and he takes you through the whole process of cleaning the paintings and then at the end you get to see the new and then he restores them and like paints like a little bit in to you know fix it and patches it and it's super cool i found them on one of these fucking clickbait um facebook threads right once like it was like one of these things that like i mean you don't spend too much time on facebook but there's like these two guys that like build like waterfalls and pools out of like clay do you ever see these guys nope but okay sounds cool yeah there's like these two guys that they're in like some south american or asian country and they're just like two guys like go out in the woods and like just build pools like in the fucking forest but it's awesome it's like one of those pages And I found him on one of these, and I was watching the videos, and I was, like, in the bathtub last night, I was sitting there just soaking, and I saw that he had one of these videos, and I watched, like, it was, like, a 30-minute first part of the video, and I watched the first half of it, and I was, like, this is fucking awesome, but I need to see the end. So I came out, and I was, like, Rachel, look. I don't know if I've, like, told you about this, but I watched these painting restoration videos. Like, I gotta watch the other half of this. And we, like, got into this giant YouTube hole last night for, like, two or three hours just watching this guy restore paintings. Because it's, like, very satisfying in the same way that, like, pressure washing something is satisfying. Sure, yep. Which I've also said on here is satisfying in the, like, mowing your lawn, which you don't feel, but, yes. like, seeing, like, an unmowed lawn yes. into a actually done, I did this thing. Exactly. It's it's very much like this. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, in a couple of days when this episode comes out, uh, the world won't be ending. But if you if you are feeling anxious or anything like that, the guy is like, he's very like ASMR anyways. You know what I mean? Like his voice too. So it's like a very soothing thing. He's super like calm and just like, just seems like a nice guy that loves paintings and loves restoring them. And he just walks you through it and you get to see like the beginning painting and the end painting and they're like worlds different and so cool and like so much more vibrant and colorful and stuff like that. So I highly recommend that if you want something to ease your brain 
it's great. I will also say I've never really spent time watching them, but uh, all of the Bob Ross videos are on Twitch, I believe. There's so a Pluto that's channel the same too. kind of thing. Okay, and then also that thing I recommended to you a while back, but Joe Perra is kind of ASMR too. So like, there's Very plenty of stuff so. out there that if you want to just satisfy your brain and not think about uh, the world being on fire, uh, go do that thing because there's plenty of stuff to yeah. yes. That's what I'm recommending today. Anything else of note since we last spoke? No, I'm getting ready that hockey's about to start. I was watching the World Juniors last night. Uh, USA won the gold medal, and it was like, oh, this is awesome that like, you know, to lead me into hockey starting next week. So I was I was pretty excited about that. That's pretty much it though. Trying to keep my brain calm. Well, you forgot the big event that we had in between. We had our oh, watch party. Yes, that's true. Which was awesome, by the way. Thank you guys all for joining, everybody that did join. And um, I got a message, and you said you got an email, too, from Wells afterwards. And I'm sorry that we didn't remind you, Wells. I thought that he was, like, busy doing something else. We talked about it on the show, because he was the only person who responded to my email. Like, you don't have to yeah. respond. Like, I'm not expecting responses like RSVPs, but he's like, can't wait. I've been waiting for this. So excited. And he didn't show up. And we're like, oh, okay, you know, I guess he's busy. And then, like, three hours after we're done, you know... <laughs> Sort of like an hour after I went to bed, he's just like, damn it. Like, let's do it again soon. I was like, all right, yeah, we, we will. Uh, <laughs> maybe the slap, maybe not. I don't know, but uh, it's going to happen. We'll do another one. Yeah. It was always, it's a blast. It's always a blast. Um, My buddy Matt joined us, which was cool. It's always just great talking to you guys. And it, we got to watch the first one, which is classic. So, you know, we were just like lots of bullshitting and stuff like that. If you haven't joined one, please join the next one because I think that they're fun. I was trying to think of which ones we've done. So for your birthday, we did Gone in 60, but we've done the yes. first one, we've done Too Fast, and we've done four. I don't think we've done Tokyo Drift, have we or have we? No, we did Tokyo Drift at one point. So we did five of these? Possibly. That sounds about right. I thought we had done Tokyo Drift, but on YouTube, our pre-roll playlists, there were only four. Maybe you did a pre-roll playlist on your own YouTube uh, page? Yeah. I think possibly so. for Tokyo Drift. But I think we definitely did Tokyo Drift. We definitely did Tokyo Drift. Oh, yeah, because yeah. we did all those, like, Japanese commercials and stuff. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, we've done a bunch, so we'll, we'll keep going at some point. The hard thing is that because, like, we're essentially not... Like, we're watching the movie, but we're not, we're not watching the movie. It can't be a thing that we haven't seen before, right? So... That's what makes it hard. I was kind of thinking, like, we could do another one of these goofy classic movies. Like, like along the lines of Gone in 60 Seconds, right? That's, like adjacent but not really like maybe like the italian job or something like that like i know that you hate that movie but i'm saying for example like another one of these kind of movies that's like okay like this is kind of close but we've all seen it a million times because mainly it's just a two-hour hangout sesh that we just talk and have a movie on in the background so we'll figure that out we will do more we'll email out when we um when we have more planned when we have any more ideas or times or dates or whatever since we last spoke so i started so okay Tell me. Last lap, we were doing the Lost for a Minute. We were watching the Letty episodes, right? Yes. And then Michelle Rodriguez, spoiler, her character dies on Lost. We were like, oh, this, we recorded one. We talked about it on here. We're like, oh, this doesn't make sense to do anymore. Letty, we have this yeah. other idea, though, right? Because like, we had put it on Patreon. Yes. And we're like, hey, do you want to do more? Should we do more Lost or should we do this other idea? And it was basically split right down the middle. The other idea, which I don't remember, do we talk about? I don't think we ever talked about on here, did we? No, um, no, I don't think we ever did explain what it was. It was just on Patreon. Right. So like the pat- the patrons knew it, um, who I think yeah. are, you know, we're, we're sort of talking about that a little bit in the uh, in the live feed, or not the live feed, but the, the watch along the other night, like who actively listens to the show who's on the Patreon. Like, most of the people who actively listen and actively write in, I think, are on here. But, like, we have way more people who listen. I just don't know who these people are. But, like, yeah, and they the don't people write who write in. in are basically the patrons. Yeah. 
So people pretty much know the plan, but the idea was going to be what I essentially started doing on my own. And you pitched this earlier too. You had like I said like I pitched a different version of this. Yes. yes. Yeah. It was very So similar. my idea that I think I had spoken about on here was that I wanted to go through like the SNL episodes, which is not what I'm watching, but I want yes. to go all the way through the SNL episodes in chronological order and sort of take a trip back through like pop culture history vis-a-vis the preeminent or whatever you want to call it like lampoonist or whatever who knows right makes sense we were going to do on the show what i started doing here is watching sitcoms in chronological order so i started and i'm not going to add more in because we're talking about like adding other ones in but i started finally and i put this on twitter so you've seen this i put this on instagram too i finally started watching uh both seinfeld and the simpsons so yes start very exciting from the start and so i'm watching them one a day chronologically so i know that that is like my one friend was like i bet a lot of people do this i'm like i bet nobody would want to do this in the insane like limited restrictive way that i'm doing like i'm not just like hey i'm watching simpsons i'm like i'm doing a very specific order that is like kind of a crazy person but it's how i want to do it the weird thing about the structure so i don't know if you knew this but did you know that when they aired the seinfeld pilot in the summer of 89 There was a huge gap. Well, it bombed, and people hated it. Oh, no, I didn't know that. And NBC wanted to cancel it. Like, they had ordered a pilot, and NBC was like, this is not going to work. We're going to scrap this. And, like, one executive was like, no, I think this is, I think there's something here. Do four more, which apparently is, like, the smallest order in, like, network history. Like, people, like, there's been, like, six episode seasons, but, like, four is, like, that's a weird, just, like, go do four more. So, like, the first one airs in July 89, I think. And then it feels the Simpsons very does, different. Yes. I had never seen, like, I've, I've seen probably fewer than five episodes of Seinfeld ever, including okay. this one, but I feel like I'd also kind of seen this. Like, there were parts, like, it's about this woman that Jerry's not sure if she wants to sleep with him, or, like, he can't that's read her show. signs, yeah. and she shows up, and she's engaged, right? So, like, that's the plot of the first one. But I feel like I'd seen that, but I feel like I'm going to have that kind of deja vu in both shows for a lot of it, because, like, just so much of everything has just been, like, bled over into all sorts of different popular culture or whatever, right? Exactly, yep. So this airs in July 89. People hate it. This one guy's like, do four more, let's see what happens. So Simpsons does its entire run airing, because their first episode is a a Christmas episode, so it airs, like, December to, like, March or April or something. And then in the next summer, I want to say, the next four of season one of Seinfeld aired. Going chronologically, it's, like, Seinfeld and then Simpsons, like, 13 Simpsons in a row, and then four Seinfelds in a row, because, like, the Simpsons wasn't on. But then, like, it doesn't take too long for them to kind of, like, alternate. So I'll be having, like, a little bit of a, a nice balance between both. But one a day. I am three in right now. As this comes out, Friday will be, I guess, Simpsons episode five, maybe? Makes sense. That feels about right. But what's cool is that The Simpsons is all on Disney+, Plus and Seinfeld's all on Hulu, so I have the DVDs. I was going to ask you, I saw you post, like, the DVD boxes, and I was like, it's there's just, no it's way. Just for the, it's, it's for the gram. I get it. I get it. Yeah, I, that's what that's what I figured too. Because I was gonna be like, weren't you pre- waiting for Disney Plus to remaster them and yes. like fix yeah, yeah, yeah. the cropping? Yep. Like, wasn't yep. that like the big thing we were waiting for? Mm-hmm. And you were like, okay, so that makes sense. So okay. on that note, there is a weird little wrinkle that Seinfeld has been quote unquote remastered in widescreen on Hulu. Okay, and it was aired in full screen. Yes, and there is there's Reddit threads about because like when The Wire was released on Blu-ray, people went nuts. So like this this show was shot to be in four by three watching 16 by 9 like you see cameramen like you don't ever see cameramen like it's just like that was an exaggeration i think but like yeah but this you see stuff and like i'm watching the pilot in widescreen i'm like this feels weird like there's grainy shots and there's all Mm -hmm. sorts of stuff that like just feels off and i asked my friend who's like going to to some extent join me on this journey he has seen 
all of both the shows, but he just wants to watch them again. Because he's yeah. one of the friends who's watching X-Files with me. And he's like, oh, no, like, it doesn't look like this later. He's like, this looks really weird. So, like, I'm going to watch more. But, like, worst case, if it looks really shitty, I'll just watch the Seinfeld on the DVDs. Simpsons is how it's supposed to be on Disney Plus now if you go into the settings and toggle it. But, like, the Seinfeld yeah. thing, I'm like, it feels weird. Like, it feels off. Like... In that regard, there's, you know, when the X-Files came out on Blu-ray a couple years ago, they remastered that, too, in widescreen, because it was aired in full screen until, like, season six or something. They remastered that in widescreen. It looks gorgeous. Like, it is unbelievably beautiful. Like, that was, like, they had all the footage. They just remastered. It was, it's amazing. This, I was just like, I don't know if this is how I'm supposed to be watching it or not, but uh, we'll see how it shakes out. It works. It'll be fine. I mean, the viewing of Seinfeld is not the really important parts you know what i mean it's it's there is some physical humor but it's not mostly that right so i don't think you're gonna like gain or lose anything from watching it in a format that wasn't the first original intention like i think it's a bigger deal for simpsons like i sent you that tweet that everybody's passing around that there's this one shot of like the duff brewery and it's like duff duff light and duff regular or duff classic or whatever and it's just the same beer going into like three different nozzles and like that whole top visual part was cut off so like i'm sure there are going to be some things that like are meant to be seen i can almost like just listen to seinfeld i'm sure right like i know whatever it looks like i don't have to but yeah yeah there's some there's some dumb things and like i can whenever you go through the episodes and we talk about like if you tell me that you're watching them and like whatever ones you bring i'm sure that i know some behind the scenes type things because there's like all of those were in the DVDs at one point. They would have like an episode at the end of like four or something, or at the end of a season, and they would like tell you the behind the scenes things. So yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm uh, I'm enjoying. It. I think I'm two thought my my final two thoughts about this. Number one, I think I'm going to like both of these shows less than most people like them, just because like I didn't grow up with them. Having like just on you know Channel 11 here in New York, New Jersey, like they were just on at six o'clock and seven o'clock like every night for like an hour, right? Like you just had it on. Like it was just always part of like childhood for a lot of people and so i think just because i didn't grow up then like it just like wasn't burned into my reference base but the other thing is like simpsons there is such a cultural divide and we might have talked about this but there are so many people who are like never watch an episode after nine it's garbage and then like people are like no you can go to 12 and people you can go to 15 like i almost guarantee that like and i'm not trying to be like snobby about it because like it's almost the opposite of that like i think i'm going to like the beginning seasons less but i think i'm gonna like the later seasons more because i just you know it doesn't have like this place in my heart or whatever yeah. you know what I mean so that's true and I wonder how much of this just like as a random thought that popped into my head I wonder how much of this that like stop at nine was like people were just getting a hair too old for Simpsons and, that's a like, very good question yes and you hit that point where you're like angsty and like 13 or something and you're like no this isn't cool anymore and then you hit like 17 18 19 and you're like oh but this reminds me of my childhood and you go back right I've had that happen with, like, a lot of shows. Some of the seasons when I was, like, 21 of of South Park I didn't watch. So, like, they don't really mean anything to me. And, like, I would consider them less good. But I don't think that they're less good. I think that, like, I just wasn't watching them as they were coming out. I was at a point in life where, like, I was, like, going out or something, right? So right. it just plays yeah, like, a different way. Like, I don't deny, like, I'm not trying to say people are wrong that, like, I'm sure, like, yeah, the, exactly. like seasons three to nine are probably, are maybe better, but, like, a, a show doesn't, isn't bad for, like, 20 years and still on air. Like, if Simpsons yes. was actually bad from season 10, it wouldn't be on season 30 or whatever they're on now, right? So Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, too. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is that I started watching this show, Maniac, which is a Netflix miniseries. Did you watch this or no? No. So it came out like two years ago. It's got your girl, Emma Stone, uh, okay. your favorite. 
Yes. Um, it is a miniseries that was created by uh, and directed by, and partially like it was a writer's room, but written by Kari Joji Fukunaga, who is the guy who directed all of season one of True Detective. But it's like this alternate reality kind of futuristic 80s. I am kind of mad at like, I mean, I, I think I think people talked about this, but I'm kind of mad at my, my friends who saw this who like, didn't immediately tell me like, hey, this is going to be like your favorite thing of all time. Because like it's it scratches yeah. all these like weird itches where I'm like, oh no, like this, I, I love this. But I'm only three episodes in, so I'm not, I'm not like deep enough into like, A, know what's going on, B, know how it's going to shake out, or C, really talk about it. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm into it. It's weird. Uh, Justin Thoreau just showed up from The Leftovers. Like, I'm on board. So yeah, Maniac on Netflix. It was apparently based on or adapted from loosely a Norwegian series of the same name. But mm. yeah, Maniac, Maniac is... Uh, just one of those that I'm like, I know I'm going to love this, I just haven't gotten to it, and you know, new year, new me, you know what I mean? <laughs> it happens. <laughs> we have a Patreon page, too fast, too forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, Ooh. Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden, Renato DiDonato, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Mon Tez. Thank you all so very much for supporting us the five... Th- five thousand hello five dollar <laughs> five thousand dollar different thing altogether but thank you all so much tomorrow. for giving us five thousand dollars a month over on patreon thank you. we also have a store at too fast to forever.shop and if you have not done so already please go on apple podcasts or wherever and leave us a review even if you don't like use apple podcasts if you have the ability to go on there please help us so that would be please. very kind of That'll you awesome. and a cool thing for you to do we have an email address family at cageclub.mejo and we have three emails today okay one we're not going to read on air but Haley sent in her lap picks for eight nine and ten she sent in picks for each lap and i was like "Ooh, Haley, uh you only get one now oh, sorry, so sorry. sorry but she Haley. picked one she picked something for lap nine which i'm excited cool. for as a movie that i have heard of but i have not seen um okay. so we're going to do lap nine she says i know technically it doesn't fit this theme i will she doesn't say those words exactly but he does do something in the u.s so it kind of works so Haley's already breaking rules but you know like her. It's, hey it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. We're super flexible for you guys. You know that. So the reason I bring it up, other than just to say thank you, Haley, uh, is like half the people who support us at that level like haven't sent in their picks for the new year. So you get one movie pick from eight, nine, or ten. So not all three. But if you want to support, if you give us the the you know the ten dollars a month, you owe it. Like you pay for it. It's your right to do this thing. Yeah, so use your pick, email, man. Facebook Messenger, however you want to do it family at cageclub.me pick a movie we'll talk about it yep our next email from jason and jason jason has been i think he's been like on a whirlwind tour of trying to figure out if he hates these movies or loves these movies we talked about this before but i feel like he's he's, uh, he's hit the crazy point that we thought we were gonna hit at one point right yes that we were like yes, are yes, we gonna yes. get to a point where we're like man we like we're so frustrated i haven't hit it yet but maybe no. He says, hey fam, what's up? Hope you had a good holiday. Mine was good. I do want to apologize for talking bad about the Fast and Furious. I guess I'm getting burnt out on them. I've seen them so many times. I was actually done with the franchise after 7. It was my sister who kept me a part of it. She loved it more than I I did. So when F9 comes out this year, I'll be seeing it for her in her honor. Ride or die. That's awesome. You don't have to apologize. Dude, you can you can like them or not like them or just say that you don't like one or the other. It doesn't matter to me, man. You're good. No worries. I mean, I also think it is, like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Jason, but, like, I think it is pretty clear that you love these movies. You know, yeah, you don't have you to do. watch them. Like, you can watch other movies. Like, I know you love <laughs> Tom Cruise and John Cena. Like, you can watch other stuff. Like, they'll always have a place. Yeah, you, you could go away, come back. We're all family here. 
Come yeah. back whenever you want. Truly, they're not going anywhere. And our last email today is from Jerry Robinson, who was in the watch-along party the other night. Subject line, yeah. Happy New Year. What's up, Jerry? How are you doing, buddy? Happy New Year, guys. Hope 2021 will bring you more happiness through these dark times. Well, off to a bad start. My Christmas <coughs> was nice. I was with Ileana and her family, and for New Year's, I was home, but FaceTimed her on midnight. Oh, I was planning cool. to propose to her this year for Valentine's Day. <gasps> I which, know. Ileana, I hope you're not listening. If you did, pretend you didn't hear that. Yeah. But then her cousin's boyfriend decided to propose to her cousin on New Year's Day, so I'm annoyed. The watch party, though, was awesome. We got to do it again for all the other movies in order. We will. We will. We'll get through it. Well, but but how's, New Year's isn't that bad, right? Like, you got, like, two months, and you get Valentine's Day. That's a good day, too. Don't be too upset with the cousin, man. You can't, like, bogart the whole fucking quarter of a year. Ileana knows in her heart of hearts that, like, it was coming, right? Like, you guys, you know, it, yeah. it was planned, so... Yeah, and by January, she'll forget that her cousin's engaged, and then they'll be happy engaged together. I mean, in February, by, like, Valentine's Day, you know? Like, they can run around being engaged for as long as you guys wait to plan a wedding together yep. forever so they'll be happy and sh- I, don't, I don't think she'll think anything bad about it good luck nope. is all i say and hope that everything works out the trickier thing is that if you both like you know if you both want to have kids and you both get pregnant at the same time like if you have the, you got to use the same you got to like I, i've heard of like family like relationships being torn apart by like having people steal names names, names right like names yeah. baby names is the big well that's a seinfeld but okay We'll get to that when we get to that. Timeline of Seinfeld. I think I will basically, for the most part, watch all of Seinfeld and like the first nine of The Simpsons where I've been told over and over to end. Uh, that's all going to basically be like this year. I think there's like 380 or something. So it's almost like perfectly. Cool. Like it's just weird how like it almost was meant to be in my weird OCD brain. It works. It's it's fine by me. I mean, whatever way you want to do it. I'm just very, very happy that like you'll get these jokes now is all I'm praying for. Maybe I mean I might I might not remember them, but I will know them at one point. They're so in the forefront of like all of these episodes, but yes, you'll eventually get them. I'm sure somebody that's listening is screaming like the the name that is stolen, but I won't ruin anything. Uh, But I will say, you know, a couple years ago when I watched a bunch of other shows for the first time that I had been meaning to, like it also wound up to be like within five of 360. It was what was it? Sopranos, Wire, Deadwood, Friday Night Lights, Mad Men. And I didn't actually finish Mad Men because I took so long to get through Deadwood because I did not like Deadwood. And then Mad Men made me depressed as hell because everybody in that show hates their lives. And like I'm like, this is good. Yeah. But like, I can't be binging this. I've tried to get through Mad Men like five times. And like I get through like five or six episodes and I'm just like, it's so bleak all the time. There's one episode at the end of this, the first season where I was like, oh, I get it. Like, and people know it's like the, there's like a Kodak. It's not a Kodak moment in like the commercial sense, but like it's a Kodak moment. People who've seen it know. like, And it's just like, oh, shit. Like, I get it now. Uh, but, like, everything else is just like, wow, you're all miserable fucks. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, life really sucked. Like, yeah. like was everybody's life this miserable in the, what, like, the 50s or 60s, wherever this was? 50s? Yeah, I think it's, no, it's the mid-60s into the 70s is where it goes. Everybody's, like, p- pretending like they have this great life, and it, mm-hmm. everybody's just depressed, and nobody wants to admit it, and it's weird. Yeah. Yep. Yes, sir. Explains a um, lot. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> but that's all the emails for today. If you want to email in family at cageclub.me, remember this is our last Friday episode for the foreseeable future. We're going to do some po- uh, bonus Patreon episodes only ever airing, airing? Question mark? Releasing airing. on Patreon. For now, this is our final Friday episode on the feed. And then, Goodbye you know. Goodbye Fridays. Goodbye Fridays. And Joey we're back Fridays. on our Toretto Tuesdays. So. 
Joey yeah. Fridays was my first fake name. Joey Fridays? Do I know that? Well, that's Rachel Thursday. That's where she came from. Yeah, she was Rachel Thursday first, so then I was Joey Fridays. Joe, on the streets, news about the Fast and Furious. Anything that you have seen in the last couple of days? Jason sent us a message and let us know that there's a new Fast 9 trailer coming out sometime soon. So I'm looking I Googled that. that. I was looking for that. I did not see news about that, but I saw that he posted that, so I, I, I believe him that. Yeah. They released a new image. I saw. The, like, he sent it Which to is us. Dom and... Jacob and it's like okay sure yeah like there's it's a blonde dude images or whatever I don't give a shit there's a blonde dude behind Dom I'm like is that somebody in our crew it's like it's nobody I recognize but I'm like it's no. probably just like one of Jacob's guys who like got behind it was just like yeah you're you're not going anywhere to Reddit or you know who knows right so yeah we, we can we can speculate all we want but until the movie comes out we won't know but it, this kind of does seem like Jacob's crew right I mean you know if they didn't already do that like uh Shaw's crew is this is the mirror clone like with I know I was gonna say this too I could have done that same thing but do you think Jacob's gonna go by the last name Toretto oh that's a very interesting question I hadn't thought about that because if he was Toretto then people would have like Dom is internationally known and he's known to rock the microphone I was just gonna say that yep (laughs) I mean stupid I mean outrageous (laughs) yeah so if he would be like I'm Jacob Toretto everybody'd be like are you Dom's brother like like at this point Dom's known across the world right so yeah i can't imagine that he does but at the same time like we have to find the explanation like are they half brothers you know what i mean like step brothers different dads different last names who knows we don't know did they just become best friends i don't know that's a stepbrothers joke i know i did know that part again we are three no four and a half months ish a little under a little over four and a half how long is memorial day from now it's beginning of january right it feels like this has been the eastern year's been going on for a while (laughs) Yes, We're four and a half to five two. months out, so yeah, we'll probably get another trailer or two. We'll see how it is. You know, I might have to watch the trailer. I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do the you know the sacrificial lamb for you, and I'll watch the trailer and then tell you if you should or shouldn't watch it to ruin stuff. Cool, cool. Thank you so much. But no other news, right? That's it. Just like a preview of things to come. Yeah. Well, then, Joe, the final thing to do before we take a break is to talk about the Fast and Furious minute, the deleted scene. How's your mother? Coming from the hospital, Vince. Yeah. How's your mother doing? They're giving a shit for the pain. What are they giving her? Something I can't pronounce. Let's make sure we put a plate of food together, save something for her. Tell her we all said hello. She'd appreciate that. Hey, Jesse, Let's eat some grub, right? man. Yeah. Want some of that chicken? So what's on your mind, Speed Racer? What do you think about? Yeah. Nothing. You're in deep thought over there. Oh. I think this is nice. What's nice? All this. You know, the picnic and the barbecue. It's like a family. What are you, an orphan? No, it's just whenever I show up, my dad always calls the cops. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> no cops at the Toretto's house, rule number one. <laughs> no pigs, no pigs. Oink, <laughs> Which this I know is, is like a, it, I, I know it's like a it's like a common thing, but it also just sort of sounds like a Mark Wahlberg thing. Yes, it does. And this was an important minute. We talked a lot about this at the watch party because Matt yep. didn't know that this scene existed, and we were saying that this like changes the whole fucking movie for me. It's very funny at the watch parties to have the mixture of like friends who don't listen to the show and yes. people who do listen to the show because like 
you know, even if they, because I asked, I'm like, do, do you guys who listen to the show, have you gone out and seen these scenes? And I think the three or four people who were there at the time were like, no, like we, you know, this is just basically the first time we're hearing this, which is cool. But like both Matt and Mike, Mike Manzi, the Mikester, were both like, wait, what is going on here? It's like, well, you got to listen to the show. Like we've talked about this <laughs> a lot. We've definitely broken this down a lot. But yep. yeah, I think that this scene would change like the entire... It almost... I was thinking about it after we had the watch party and knowing that this scene was coming up, that this is what we were doing next. If you left this scene in, Vince almost becomes the hero in this movie. The hero or just a hero? A hero. He doesn't He doesn't become like... He becomes much more of a hero in this in this version of the movie. Just with this scene alone. Yes. So in this scene, which you just heard most... You just heard, but I don't know if you can get the full context if you don't know where it is, if you don't remember our conversation. So the family is gathered at the barbecue table outside 1327. This is like yeah. an alternate or extended version of the barbecue found in minutes 42 to 44. Dom and Vince talk about Vince visiting his mother at the hospital. Brian and Dom talk about how nice it is to have family. The family laughs about how much they all hate cops. And then the one thing that did not come through, but I think you can maybe feel it, is the whole time Vince glares at Brian. Yeah, because Brian's talking about, like, my dad would call the cops and, like, and Dom's like, there's never cops allowed in a Toretto house. And Vince is like, he's a fucking cop, just staring at him. Yep. Yes. But yeah, so I think, you know, it does essentially make Vince, it makes him much more sympathetic at the very least. Yes. It adds a new wrinkle to the scene, to Vince's story overall, and his dynamic with both, like, Dom and with Mia and with Brian, because it's like, oh, now I know, like, not only are you being an asshole because, like, you're right, right, but, like, also because, you know, your mom's in the hospital. This is what I was saying to Rachel. I was like, dude, Vince is down bad if, like, your mom's in the hospital, right? So you spend less time with your friends. And then this, like, blonde guy comes in and steals your girlfriend, like, your tentative girlfriend, who's your best friend's brother, like, sister, and you're like, dude, like, my world is just collapsing right now. Like, this really fucking sucks. And, like, you'd want to be like, okay, like, maybe if I hang out with them more, they'll realize that I'm telling the truth and also get rid of this new guy that they're so infatuated with. But he can't because his mom's sick, and that's why he's not around all the time. Like, this is, mm-hmm. like, a, such a shitty place to be in, man. Poor Vince. I don't think this is just wishful thinking because it's, like, what we don't have, but it does feel like some of these scenes that were cut, I wish more so that we got Rob Cohen's explanation of why they were cut. Like, I think we can kind of guess, but it's we also, like, I want to hear him talk about this because, like, this feels wildly important to just be like yeah that never happened it's like what how what like what you shot it all you wrote it all like he acted it all like what is going on if you were an actor and he was reading this in the script and using it as motivation for the rest of his character in the movie and then you cut this scene it's like oh now you just come off like a huge dick all the family is like reacting and responding to him because like brian doesn't know this maybe or maybe he heard of it or whatever but like Everybody, Dom and Letty and Jesse and Leon, like, they all know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, everybody else knows. So, like, it really, really changes, like, the whole fucking movie and his character, like, how he's playing it as an actor, too. It's very strange. Uh, There is one line in this that I want to point out that I absolutely love, which is kind of buried a little bit because, like, people are over-talking. Like, there's clearly, like, it seems like lines that are scripted like we're gonna get these story beats out and then just like hey have a barbecue but leon says to jesse hey jesse hand me that chicken and there's like a beat and it's like jesse's not reacting quickly and it's like bud come on like just like give me the chicken and like it's like i had to listen to it two or three times because like it's there's people talking over it like letty's saying let's stay at the movie hey let's have some grub man want some of that chicken like that's in there dom's still talking that part was cut out but like 
this one line from Leon who doesn't say anything else the entire scene. <laughs> He's just like, Jesse, give me that goddamn chicken. He doesn't say that, but like, you know, I'm really essentially, give me that hungry. goddamn chicken. Yeah, and Jesse took the first piece of chicken, so Leon's like, now I'm fucking waiting because we had to explain your ass and you had to say the prayer, and mm-hmm. now I'm still not having a piece of chicken. Pass the yep. Is there anything you notice? I mean, it's tough because it's a scene that we've already covered in depth, and it's mostly all just new dialogue and new story beats, but is there anything in here of note that you saw that you've never seen before? I thought that I noticed something new, and that was the giant bowl of grilled uh, corn on the cob, and then I went back to minute 42 and realized, no, we had definitely seen that before, but it's more prominent in this in this shot of it. Like, there's, like, a nice big bowl of corn on the cob that, like, is first being passed. No, I didn't notice anything else, because it's not really, like, table shots. It's just face shots again, so... Yeah, because what's inter- and interesting is a strong word here, but, like... If you listen, and especially because like it's kind of like low quality, and you have it loud to do the the audio and stuff like that, like to write down the dialogue, like the background matching is not good. Like it's all different. It's not like, matched. Yes. Yeah. You're I like agree. you're you're hearing some background noise, and they cut back to Dom, and it's like different background noise. And so like in the final version, like if this was in the movie, they would smooth all that out, and they would have like a ba- like a clean background noise, or like they have consistent background noise. So here yes. it's like okay, this was all shot together, this was all shot separately, whatever. But they're obviously like you can see how they pick and choose certain lines, like the grub and whatever, and like keep that in the movie, but then essentially take everything else out. So they shot it all. They're like, we'll get it. You know, it's, it's clean enough. We're all the outdoor noises. It's fine. We'll fix it all later, and then they're like, "Hey, we're gonna cut almost all this." So it did. There's like one shot that it goes from like Dom to Letty or Letty to Dom, and it like the the audio completely cuts. Like yep. it's like a really weird jarring transition, which I guess you can kind of smooth if you had like some background music or whatever. But that's why they get like room tone and stuff. Like that's why if you ever watch a movie about making movies or whatever, they will just film sound of like the room so they can fill in like weird kind of audio gaps like you hear it you know on podcasts too like when there's like background noise or whatever like there are ways to make it seem more natural like they're you're not that it, you're, it's all in the moment that there's not actually editing going on or whatever right so when it's when you know when they're going to cut it out of the movie it's not as supremely important so makes sense nothing else though of note in the how is your mother scene uh no i think we went through like i was more this was one that i wanted to talk more about like how it plays for Vince as opposed to the minute stuff itself. Yep. And I'm glad that we talked about that because that was my main thoughts as I was watching this since nothing else really changes, but also because it, I find it very, very fascinating on like how this could have really fucked the whole rest of the movie up for me if it existed. The other big news, news is a very strong term, in terms of the Fast and Furious minute is that we decided, based on our pre-roll for the Fast and the Furious, that we're going to cover the trailers for the first movie too, because like we've never watched them before until this past weekend. You oh, know, and least, I found you know, an alternate one, yeah. Yes. So we're going to cover those in their entirety and really just kind of like milk this one dry. There's a fun little like snippet in the theatrical trailer that I want to talk about. And if you weren't at the watch party, you don't know. And you will find out later then. I will give some hints that it is uh, not too dissimilar from the from some of the other deleted scenes in like how they're wrong, how they're different or whatever. So yeah. if that makes sense. That makes sense. I get What that. was changed? What is different? What's noteworthy about them? So. Mm-hmm. All right, Joe, let's take a break and let us bring in Nico and Kevo to talk about Fast and Furious Spy Racers Sahara.
Forever. This is episode number 159, Spy Racers Sahara. This episode's brought to you by Kinetic Sand, the original squeezable sand you can't put down. Kinetic Sand is 98% sand and 2% magic. Shout out to Kinetic Sand. Well, shout out to Kinetic Sand and welcome back to the show with us once again to finally, truly, finally, forever close out lap seven too fast to forever close out lap seven back with us once again from the husband's talking more or less podcast we have nico vasello and kevo reese hello guys surprise it's not like i mean this like mean or anything but i don't fucking believe you i know like it, it is actually i think <laughs> um, unless so the only way well i don't even know i think the timeline wouldn't be like if they released something between like now and wednesday another spy racer season Ah. Yes. So by the time people are hearing this, they will have known if there was more Fast and Furious content. But if you have not heard anything in the wild about more Fast and Furious, we are kicking lap eight off on Tuesday. So we did it. We made it. But welcome. Come ba- welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. So Joe and I just did uh, an episode all about this on Tuesday. But I am very fascinated to hear what you guys think of Spy Race Season 3, specifically Kevo, because we were, as we did the countdown, count up, recounting of our favorite episodes, favorite content, whatever, you had seasons one and two in your top three. So I'm wondering, before we get any, any further, what did you think of Spiration season three? Oh, I liked it a lot. I wouldn't rank it too much higher than either of them, but I definitely think it's an improvement in quality for sure. So do you think it's the best of the three seasons so far? If I do, it's a close race. Okay. Nice pun perfect pun (laughs) thank you nico what about you what did you think of uh sahara you know i disagree with kevo in that i would place it leagues above season two i really didn't care for season two quite as much i liked season one but i probably thought this was the best season it struck the right balance but it's one of those best seasons that's the best season because of the first two seasons you really can't erase what seasons one and two not just contribute because contributes an unfair simplification, but this is a, like, I mean, I don't really think there needs to be more at this point. If there is, it should be like a quick 90 minute movie or something. Uh, I really love this cast. I love this dynamic, but I do feel like they kind of set up a comfortable end. Well, the weird thing, one of our big takeaways, and I'm glad you said that, one of our big takeaways we talked about in the last episode was this is the first season that kind of ends with a promise that there will be more. I I don't know if we necessarily need more, but it is the first time that one of these stories has has ended in a way that like, hey, we're going to get more. That's true with Rafaela still on the loose. And maybe maybe Cleve also on the loose, like his mech empty. Please no. (laughs) I'm I'm with I'm with Nico on this one. That that was my takeaway too, buddy. I'm I'm like 100% with you that like I found season 2 to be like a turning point, so it wasn't one of like my favorites, but I think 3 really brought it back, but I do think that we're going to get more of this. I think they're setting it up like we're going to get more of this. It's not like ended anytime soon. I would love to hear what you guys think, because one of the things I think you opened our eyes to when we talked about Spy Race Season 2, Rio, you saw it, because we, we were surprised that there was a, a surprise drop of Season 2, and you were like, well, it kind of feels like they had a couple extra episodes from the first season that they might have repurposed to Season 2, and had, like, one other thing, and, like, you, in a very grounded way, explained how it was very plausible that there would be this whole extra sort of set of episodes that like maybe they had from the first time so now given where we are here which is 
predominantly in deserty, sandy things, but also a lot of indoor buildings. How are you viewing the production of all of this? Like, does this still fit in? Because, like, I don't want to sound like we're, like, you know, simpletons or rubes over here, but we're blown away every time there's another, like, wait, there's another 10 ep, like, or 8 ep, like, where, where did this come from? So, like, yeah. in terms of, like, the scenery and the setting and all that sort of stuff, like, how are you viewing the production? Like, do you think this was all done from the beginning, or was this greenlit after the fact? Or, like, how do you see this? I think part of it is incremental renewals. I really, Netflix doesn't buy anything. They do not buy three seasons of something. They buy one season with the option to renew. Netflix is very careful about over-purchasing a product because they really do see a shelf life. And once you hit your shelf life, they're done with you. It's not hard to see with some of their biggest hits just dying. Like, you know, not that I'm defending anything Arrested Development did after season four, you know, season 5B just kind of dropped and now no one talks about Arrested Development. And that was their crown jewel. They burned off with no question. It just dropped one day at a time. The haunting series has come to an end. Netflix has no problem killing something, even when it's successful, because they believe it's hit its value number. That's right. a big thing they talk about. I want to point out that I felt very much like the graphics were very different this set of episodes this season. I thought it was very much more video gamesy. It felt mm-hmm. almost it felt crossroadsy. Like, it yeah. felt almost like they used a video game engine to produce some of these scenes. This ability to simulate what these cars might do. Now, obviously, that's an oversimplification, but I think about the South Park guys. That first season was hell on earth for them to animate because it was like all actually hand cut stuff it would take them longer than a standard season of animation's time to produce a standard season of South Park. Somebody said, well, why not just produce your own thing? Sure, it'll only work for South Park, but if you see yourself making enough of this, it's worth the investment. Somebody get the absinthe ready because it it even goes back to a Tori Amos thing. <laughs> After her first record, she said to her idol, Peter Gabriel, what is your one piece of advice for me? And he said, build your own recording studio. And she said, to save on overhead. And he said, if they want the masters to change the record, they have to order it from the recording studio. If you own the recording studio, you get to lose the masters. Mm, Okay. And so Netflix very much plays by those rules. Netflix decides what's going to get released, what's going to get renewed. They have no problem killing something. They see a long-term market value or not, and they play by their own internal strategy. They do not buy anything in large quantities. It's just not them. I have to wonder if it's a little bit like the... Kevo, I don't know if you'll remember this a little bit better than me, but the Legend of Korra order, which was initially all from one studio for a miniseries, which became two seasons, so they farmed some out to a French studio. I don't know if you guys are familiar but there is a long-standing tradition of reciprocity between France and Asian countries. France is responsible for a good portion of the world's Sentai Power Ranger robot fighting. Yeah. Okay. The French studio took over half of the animation on Korra, and then they worked together on season three or something like that, and the original team did four or whatever. But like, oftentimes, you pull in more people, Especially, Kevo, you've also noted a couple of places that 
they just reuse DreamWorks stock stuff all the time. Yeah, it really feels like that one ravine with the bridge that they keep using in LA and... Like the aqueducts? That one looks pretty identical to a set that they use repeatedly on a different DreamWorks animated show, Troll Hunters, by Guillermo del Toro. I really would believe that they just pulled that from their archives. Now that you mention that, it's it's the same shot, Joey, as it was in Turbo, too. Which is also DreamWorks. Yep. Which is also DreamWorks, so that makes perfect sense, yeah. So, I think there's a lot of ways that you can adaptively produce a show in large quantities quickly. It does strike me in some of these situations. Now, I am not... Number one, I do want to say, I love that they were very consistent about Sahara. There was absolutely no Queen Karen Sahara! anywhere to be found which was a relief i do appreciate that but you know i can't help but notice that if the landscape is barren desert you can kind of use the same landscape a lot and there's no real need to format the i'm like no real need to format the level beyond that mario's underwater motherfuckers so like (laughs) and i think what the desert the barren desert landscape in that regard kind of also opens up the possibility is that you're able to have the same screen of sand every time or whatever but then like all of a sudden donut the monkey can come in as like this godlike thing you're like whoa that's a whole new thing like i forget that i'm watching the same sand because there are mirages there's like a yoka fountain or whatever and so even just like the little like just like how hey mario's underwater so you need to worry about it's like hey there's this one thing it's like oh right that's the episode where they they thought they saw x but it was actually just other sand they find good ways to add exciting pops so yeah. that you don't notice the monotony of the background. Or may yeah. I say, exciting pop pops. <laughs> so a little bit of history on video games, for those of you who maybe are not aware. I'm super into classic Nintendo. Whole reason I bought the Switch was I got to look at the Nintendo Online and Super Nintendo back yep. catalogs. Mm-hmm. Seriously, that motivated me to buy the fucking thing. I don't know how many people are aware of how basic they made that first game to save memory. Yeah. There's no actual multiple sprites of a Goomba. It's actually just one image mirror flipped back and forth. So it looks like the feet are walking. So it's just one sprite reversed over and over again to simulate motion throughout all of these levels. And that's pretty much what's done for every single enemy. Just keep flipping them back and forth. It also means that frequently you kind of hyper rely on certain certain realities, right? And you kind of don't take into consideration certain things, right? So like uh, how many people here can tell me what color Bowser is? Green, yellow. Bowser should be green with some yellow on him, right? So how come nobody's ever questioned that he's orange in Super Mario Land? Uh... In Super Mario World. He's orange when he's flying around in that little white thing. And it actually has to do with values being set wrong in his code. And it wasn't caught for like 18 years or something. And now everybody's <laughs> like, LOL, how the fuck did no one ever catch that? Right? Yeah. But it's, it's you know, we can all even imagine him orange. Like we can all see it in our mind's eye. I wonder how many of those are going to pop up in Sahara. Sorry, Sahara. Oh my God, I'm a Karen. Ah. I'm a Karen. Listen to me. (laughs) There's something to be said as well, though, for a lack of care back in those days. I'm trying to think of an account for, because I know what you're talking about with Bowser being orange instead of yellow. And I think I just never really thought about it because I just assumed variants of gradient. Like sometimes Winnie the Pooh is yellow. Sometimes he's orange. Cheese. 
when it's represented in fiction do you go yellow do you go orange i think that especially with a shade like that it's people go back and forth depending on what they think it should look like based on its surroundings i guess i don't know but there's a lot of weird factors that go into these things what was the color that didn't used to be a color i think it was orange or like red i don't know there's there's colors are crazy i feel like sahara benefits from this is actually i'm getting ahead of myself this was the first season where i felt like every episode had an extended race no i felt the same way there was a lot of racing in this one there was and previous seasons the cars kind of felt like like a spiritual car like the car kind of felt like a thing you find inside you. Like your Zord. Like it felt a little bit more special. But this season the cars were, even with Tony making a big deal about his 10 second tank, they felt a little more disposable. I felt a little less connection to the vehicles. Oh, lug nuts. Oh, lug nuts. Oh, lug nuts. I feel like if anything, this season's big vehicle things were like the dune buggies and the camels and the gliders. Like cars were around and Tony drives the car into the fire cane or whatever at the end or the fire NATO at the end of the, the season. But like there's a lot of racing adjacent stuff that isn't in our traditional, like the kind of cars that we have come to know and love from these series and from the movies. Also, they're fighting their own cars, so it, it kind of plays that they they feel less important because the cars that are important are the ones that they're going up against in this weird kind of turn-on-yourself type situation going on here. This season, cars were the enemy. Yes, their own cars were their own worst enemies, yeah. This was definitely the season that most clearly introduced the idea like and they they started using the term family in a funny way. Everyone knows that the best way to make a character trait land is to have everyone else make fun of it. It's why we can say something feels in or out of character within three episodes of a show, mm. right? Kevin and I are doing a Brooklyn Nine Nine rewatch because it's pretty perfect. It's going to source back to, and I do it all the time. But you know, any of the classic four character shows. So I Love Lucy is a great example. Ricky is charming, except when he's hot-headed. So in that way, he's kind of the classic Latino Lothario. He's kind of, you know, he, he's the Blanche, but he's the yeah. Latin Blanche. Okay. And Lucy yeah. is the Rose, but she's the main Rose. And Ethel is the Dorothy because she's smart and the best friend, but she's not the main character here. And then the one who's always trying to take the Dorothy down, the Sophia, is Fred. You always go back to this four-person interplay. Let's go to Will and Grace for a moment, right? Rose in Jack. You have the Sophia in Karen. You have the Dorothy in Will. I guess you have the Blanche in... Yeah, you know what? She's a different kind of Blanche. Grace is a Blanche always trying to get dicked she's trying to date in the modern world she's just not like this anyway so but you can usually find some version of the four i bring this up because it sources back to when tv shows needed to be essentially disposable single-time usage it's why if you read a comic from 1975 it always says in the middle of the action his name is wolverine and he's the best there is at what he does and what he does is not very pretty logan might not have memories panel of him going snicked but what he does have is a lot of rage then it jumps over to storm and it's storm saying calm down brother you must control your rage my family 
because she always played this sort of sisterly because it was 1975. You know, it says Aurora Monroe was once uh, worshipped as a goddess in Africa, but now she is the X-Man storm goddess of all weather or whatever. It's because it needed to be able for anyone who'd never heard of this before, who picked up the first one to be able to jump in and run with it. Right. Mm. So that's where that format kind of became super popular for us. One of the evolutions of that format is the procedural. And one of the things we love about the procedural is it's essentially, and I mean this with all affection to anyone who's ever been an actor on a procedural, and I have had favorite procedurals my whole life. I mean, the cogs are the cogs, but really you're in it for the format. That's the real star of a procedural. And once the format wanes, you have to hope that you're in it for the characters. Like nobody really gives a shit about bones after season four, but you want to see these pretty white people bang law and order. There's always the straight man cop and the funny man cop. I'm coming to realize that the personalities on spy racers and even in the fast and the furious at large are not the things that are the, the character in and out it's the dynamics there's the group that is incapable of operation for whatever reason they are somehow off the good guy board then there's the group struggling to figure out how they can deal with the complication of first group being taken from them and that's another complication in every fast and furious project and then there's the bad guy who has really vague plans that seem to be take over what they micro macro cosmically believe to be the extent of power in their universe. So when their whole universe is racing, it's racing. But when their whole universe is being the most annoying white woman to have dreads, it's <laughs> that. So it's sort of interesting how this in many ways highlighted the Fast and Furious formula for me. Group removed, group reacting, bad guy with no purpose and chase or racing sequences. And I think noting that it always kind of felt like the racing sequences in Spy Racers were a little bit closer to everybody get the Hot Wheels on the track, and now they were a little bit more front and center. They were the action. The characters developed and the narration developed through the action. I was able to see these pieces come together to form Fast and Furious a little bit better, but now I can't unsee that formula running through everything since like the fourth one you pretty much nailed it i think so so with that in mind another one of our takeaways sort of was how cisco kind of feels like he doesn't have a purpose that his big heroic moment toward the end is he's back and he's like i'm here to save the day but like i was like oh right he was gone like even even though the description of the episode is missing a key member of their team like now that we've established who these characters are across 24 episodes and 12 hours or whatever and we know the roles they play within the team and the way that interplay and the dynamics and the greater group function both in these and the fast and furious are there characters you think that we could or that should be removed or tweaked or repurposed or anything like or do you think that everybody has a very specific place in this world we're in a good place i would say in a weird way neither i don't think i don't feel the need to tweak the characters but i don't really think any of them are necessarily inherently special in a way that is integral to the group i think they are mostly just a group because they're friends and i don't know how i feel about that apart from frosty's expertise in terms of tech you know and i think that echo's great and a badass but 
part of her arc this season being, no, I'm not a leader. We all make decisions together. Well, okay, you took away the one thing that made her the most special. All right. Tony's a good driver, but lots of people are good drivers. Like, I, 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 I feel like none of them are necessarily as extra special as they like to let on because as much as they will say, this person is the best racer, you're just going to meet another person you're going to say that about in four to six episodes. It's always someone. <laughs> There's always someone. That doesn't mean anything to me anymore in the context of this cartoon. You know what's pretty interesting that I didn't think about until you framed it like that? This group of people is very similar in the regard that they're all friends to the group that we see in the first The Fast and the Furious, right? There's Leon, there's Jesse, there's Vince. There's, like, they're just around because they've always been around. But then yeah. as the franchise has gone on, they've pulled the best parts of other things. They've pulled whatever Roman brings, who cares? But they've brought Han's chameleon abilities. Like, basically that whole speech in Fast Five, like, we need this, we need this, we need this. Every time they do a mission, there's, like, a group of people that they are meeting and interacting with and learning how to do, and they're, like, building their own Avengers, for lack of a better phrase. But, like, this hasn't happened here yet. It's not no. like, like, they haven't been, like, and I don't want the regular movies like, oh, Raphaela was a bad guy, but now she's a good guy, right? Like, I don't necessarily <laughs> want that, but they're not adding people like maybe the guy who's not Frosty, Ziri, Neri, will maybe join the team, but like, they already have Frosty. Ziri, they don't because need it him. bothered me because it sounds like Siri. And I'm like, are you just saying that the super tech wizard that can get you anything from another country is Siri with a Z because Siri with his goes not Z. <laughs> yeah, the writers really love being twee with foreign names. Really do, but they like do. I think that's a that's an interesting point though, Kevo, is that this is effectively how the the regular franchise started, and like even I mean different path there because two was a standalone and three was a standalone, but like they're cobbling together a better group of people, and here we're just like this is what we got, but it's like well Cisco is just like kind of the muscle, and like Frosty is just the hacker and Echo, like I feel like there's kind of like a teeter totter seesaw of like Echo and tony of like who's gonna be like they can't both be leaders and like sort of by the end of this it's like we're all gonna make decisions together but like tony finally did like a heroic thing so like he's maybe more of a leader and so this isn't evolving in a way that the regular movies have and it's just it's a it's an interesting way to sort of look at that dynamic i kind of like it though that that's what i was saying when, when joey and i were talking about it is that i like that we don't have to recruit someone every time we fight them and that feels kind of refreshing because we're so used to that in, in the normal franchise anymore whoever the bad guy is like okay he's the bad guy for one movie and then eventually you're just going to be part of the team like we haven't even seen nine yet it hasn't come out but jacob dom's brother like he's not going to fight them forever right like you you automatically know, know that it by the you think maybe I don't know I especially if they're going to be winding things down I think that they might want to keep a Toretto as a villain through to the last movie because it's but, but eventually so like but, yeah you know, yeah kill Charlie's off because she probably costs more than John Cena and he yeah. betrays her at the last second and everybody's like oh shit what a super badass I guess Scrappy Doo's out to get ya. It goes to Dom has to take down his brother. But they come together in the end. You're still working your way to the point where, like, he's eventually going to be like, we're No, brothers. he was saying that Dom would have to kill his brother. Right. I'm oh. saying that the, the ancient, like, biblical Cain versus Abel, oh. like, the most classic. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, maybe brother versus brother. You're saying he would recruit the brother. And, like, that's fine, too. But I don't think that's necessarily how it has 
to shape out. That's fair. I'm just so used to like this this trope of how this is playing out. Back to Spy Racers, I'm glad that in Spy Racers we don't see this happening. Like I'm glad that at the end of this season, Rafaela didn't become part of the team for some reason. Like we did. But I Layla. would like Matsuo to become a member of the team. I Which I also like, thought was going to happen, yes. I feel like with Layla, it was very obvious by the end of the first season that they were going to court the idea of making her a member of the team. So even though it wasn't really solidified fully until this season, like that's been in the blood of this series since the yeah. beginning. So even that isn't a change to the dynamic and i think having absolutely zero change to the dynamic and zero recurring allies from season to season is something that really bothers me also how old are these kids that's (laughs) something i was thinking about too (laughs) we know frosty is like 12 yeah 12 or 13 yeah that's right 13 i imagine that echo and tony and cisco and layla have to at least be like out of high school I don't. I don't, I don't, think, they're, I don't think they're that old. I assumed they were all negligent parent years old. They don't go to school is the thing, because exactly negligent parent. How are they <laughs> going on these spy missions? <laughs> is this all happening during one summer vacation, or is Ms. Nowhere, who is part of some sort of government group, sanctioning these underage kids to go on missions <laughs> and miss school? But then, if they're all eighteen, Child, endanger yourself. But then, if they're all eighteen and older. It's also a little weird that they're all friends with Frosty. Yeah, very I got true. I got the sense that like Tony is like seventeen, Echo and Cisco were like fifteen. Again, Frosty's cool. like thirteen. Then they yeah, can't but- drive though. If they're fifteen, they can't drive by themselves. And in fact, they don't have. I think I even looked into it. I don't think they have learners permits over there in California. I think you have to be eighteen, like straight up. Wow. So like. That's where my head is always at with these things. So I'm like, no, they can't be in high school because we've never seen them go to school. We've never heard them talk about class or homework ever once in the entire series. So if you're going to try and tell me they're in high school now, you've got a lot of explaining to do. And if other people assumed they were in high school, I get why, because they're hanging out with a 13-year-old. But no, everything about these characters, starting with the fact that they can drive all the time and do drag racing, says to me they have to be 18 and over. I kind of wave part of that away by being like, oh, they're car people and like growing up around cars, like you're probably going to drive before you're legally allowed. And maybe not on the road, maybe not like doing drag races, but also maybe, maybe, I don't know. How often is that by yourselves as opposed to you're the younger part of a crew that has older people in it who supervise you while you drive yeah i guess because like if if you if you compare to the main movies like mia is 18 probably in the first movie and everybody else is probably like 22 23 ish right so like there's still that possible age discrepancy but there are also grown-ass adults and aside from like mia studying to go to college we don't need to spend time with like well why aren't they here when they could be there or whatever. So I don't know. When you said car people, I immediately assumed you meant like an entire society of car people, a la yeah. the Snorks or the <laughs> Smurfs or any <laughs> other animated series around a group of mutants. You just think that you automatically, they all live in cars. And like the theme song is like, from from going through town. And like the, like the trunks pop open and, you know, little car people pop out. It's great in my head. It's like cars, except instead of being like 
cars that feel like people. They're just people that feel like cars. Whatever that looks like. <laughs> yes, yes. No, yeah. I've it. been married to him for too long, so I know exactly what horror show he is describing, which is little people that are basically more humanoid, transformer humanoid figures. <laughs> But they live inside of cars themselves and are yes. popping out of the trunks. What kind of nightmare show? No, yeah, it's like it's some real like HR Giger shit, and like they're all that like would be like if oil. we lived in buildings that are shaped like people. It's kind of well, like that You're that shouting. level. Sorry, it's like that level of Super <laughs> Mario Brothers to the Golden Coins game for Game Boy, where he has to fight through the giant robot Mario. Mm. It's a good reference, guys. Do your homework. <laughs> I just see them all, like, dripping oil. They're never clean. (laughs) They're always, like, just, like, oozing and just, like, this is... They're trapped in a hellish landscape, but they don't know anything else. So they don't know that it could or should be better. I'm thinking Rick and Morty when they have, like, the aliens that run the battery to run the the car. That works, too. Yeah. Uh, What else about the season, guys? Do you have a favorite moment, least favorite moment, anything that stands out? Or is this overall just, like, a favorite moment was Raphael's ransom note? The music video? Yes. Rad Raff's hot hostage vid. I need that as my ringtone. I thought a couple of things about this season in general. I thought, number one, you know, going back to my Fast Furious formula, they really do find an interesting way to take people off the board as needed. And I think Gary and Ms. Nowhere were the likely things because, you know, and I'm going to use an example I use a lot. And, you know, I just want to point out that, like, pointing out that something's a trope doesn't make it bad. It just means that that's yeah. something that's common in our storytelling vernacular. If I use the same examples, it's because I know they're common. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. when I say, I need someone to explain to me how anybody was ever under the impression that Dumbledore could survive Harry Potter is well beyond me. The story is Harry versus Voldemort, not Harry versus Draco. But you spend several books being distracted by the childhood version of the real-life nightmare. This is the child of a Death Eater, not the actual monster. And meanwhile, you're saying the only person in the entire world that Voldemort is afraid of is this Dumbledore guy. So as long as that Dumbledore guy is standing up, he is not going to be facing Harry. So people have this misbegotten notion Harry is going to have to fight Draco at some point like that's you know some great achievement it's oftentimes unintentional but the parental figure the figure that offers the training the figure that represents you know the stick to their daredevil or Electra the person who is so great in their ability the teacher they often by accident hold back their student character just by virtue of still existing in their stratosphere. There is no way Echo could have believably led a team in which Echo was Ms. Nowhere and Tony offered the role of Gary to her Ms. Nowhere. There's no version that we could have achieved that in that didn't have to take the older two off the board. I like that there was a reason and we got there. The timing on it was all a little funny. I would have probably played the pilot out differently, but I understand. The next big thing that I thought was important to keep in mind was that they were trying to diversify the perspective of the characters. It wasn't just about diversity of character, but we saw a little bit more from each of the characters' eyes. And I think that was interesting. They, everybody kind of had an A plot for themselves somewhere. I appreciate that you felt like there was no room for Cisco. 
I felt like there was no room for Echo. I felt like she was ready to graduate to the sequel series by Racers International, and she can train with Matsuyo and Ziri, and you know, Layla gets the I'm the new lady in charge job. It's Spy Racers International. Exactly, right? Everybody gets their chance to be, you know, uh, John Steed's plus one, you know, Honor Blackman, Diana Rigg. Everybody gets the job. What is that a reference to? The British Avengers, a 1960s BBC TV show. I did reference in the last episode the other Avengers, which I don't know if you guys have seen, the uh, Sean Connery Avengers, unrelated to the Marvel movies, but they also had a weather machine in that too. So same plot. I'm literally, no, no, I'm literally referencing the British TV show that that is a failed adaptation of. So there you go. So that's perfect. Yeah, I would never, I, I, I could, I, wow. Somebody I'm... just told you about Doctor Who and you said, oh, it's like that Peter Cushing movie. I only I watched that movie Don't understand. Once. I was raised on the black and white VHSs of it. Like my dad, my dad was amazing, right? So my dad was this super fun dad because he was a super late working dad, right? So he had no choice but to be super fun dad when he had time with us. So mm-hmm. he would get home at like 945 and we would go to bed at 10 if my mom went to sleep at 1030. Now, like she had to know she like because my mom is an intelligent woman with a lot of patience. So I have to assume she knew my dad would like sneak upstairs and like at 11 o'clock bring us downstairs and we'd watch TV with him. So I watched a lot of like Perry Mason growing up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of the Avengers and the animated version of Conan the Adventurer from WPIX. Like my dad would either tape stuff or he had tapes. So like specifically the Avengers, the PBS masterpiece reissue VHSs. We would get my dad the box of three cassettes that had two episodes on each. That each one was like roughly half a season or se- series as the British did it. Right. And we would get him those every Father's Day, Christmas, birthday. So, like, I grew up on that. Like, as a kid, even, I was like, this is bad. <laughs> this is not the real thing. This movie sucks. This movie is so bad. Sean Connery made so many bad adaptations between that and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I'm surprised I never burned his car to the ground. <laughs> So what I thought, I was so in my, like, I, I I know a lot of the references, but I also, like, just only sort of approach where you're going, and I actually don't know the thing. So when you said the British Avengers, in my head, I was like, oh, Avengers that we know, but led by Captain Britain, which I know is like, a, it's Excalibur. Like, I know it's a different, like, I know it's a different name, but I was just thinking that, and I was like, oh, speaking of Avengers, here's the other Avengers, because it has the same plot as this. So, like, we were talking about the same thing. I didn't realize we were talking about the same thing, <laughs> but... We got there in the end. I've never seen a minute of the show. I've only seen the movie once because how did this get me covered it? Because it's like, what is this? What's going on in this movie? Uh, the TV show is spectacular. It's about a very suave but very cool. Picture Gene Kelly in Singing in the Rain, but fighting with an umbrella sword. Very suave, very chill, very debonair guy. And he's always teamed up with a sexy, hot British super agent. They solve a lot of things. Her name is Emma Peel. There's an episode where she's turned into the White Queen of the Hellfire Club. And it's not hard to see where Chris Claremont decided that should go. That's how we got Emma Frost and the Hellfire Club. It's up there with Doctor Who in terms of super influential on the creators of today. All the way down to this, apparently lifting stuff. Who knows? I don't know. 
Who knows? Who knows? Kevin, what about you? Big favorite moments, least favorite moments, notable moments, things that'll stick with you? Spy Racers, Sahara. I thought it was fine. I don't imagine this is the end, just because as Joey pointed out, it feels like this one was one of the only seasons that ended in a way that suggested there would be more. I wonder if this is the first half of a second episode batch. So we might end up getting eight more, but who knows with Netflix anymore, it could be canceled tomorrow. Would I watch more? Sure. (laughs) Am I ravenous for more? Eh. I'm just wondering if this is like accretive to the greater Fast and Furious brand or not. And I don't know if it is. Like I felt like it was kind of early on, but I'm not sure. Like it might just be its own thing or it might just be like, I don't know what, I don't know what this is doing. I don't know that I need to know, but I don't know what this is doing on a grand scale. I don't think it's going to reconnect in any major way to the Fast Furious franchise again. I think two full seasons without anything like that is far too long to go. Apart from mentioning a few stunts that have been done in the movies, they haven't really mentioned anything about the movies or those characters. You know, that's fine. I I feel like at this point it would be jarring to have anyone else appear in any major or long-lasting way. I agree. It's, you know, like, I want it to reconnect. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., motherfucker. I just don't see it happening. They said Ms. Nowhere is the most powerful secret agent in the world, and I was like, fucking is she, though? (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, they trade on the name Toretto, like it's some sort of, like, catch-all. Like, ah, I Toretto'd. Toretto that. Toretto away the bad guy. I've Toretto'd myself. Like, it's getting a little bit out of control. I did love, though, that Layla seems to have come to understand how she can manipulate Tony by just telling him to do things for family. Yes. Yeah. Do it for your family. Always works. It's the magic word. Nico, you saying Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like... There was so Agents of Shield for people who haven't watched because even I don't think you've admitted in a recent episode I think that you guys didn't or maybe it was HTML I don't know it all blends together that you guys didn't even finish that show but like there was such promise and potential to be like hey remember Coulson from the first Avengers sucks that he died but he's back now and we're gonna have a team and like we're gonna be part of the universe and like they are and like Lady Sif shows up from time to time or whatever but like it never actually intersects with the MCU almost ever except for like after thor the dark world maybe they like kind of do some like cleanup work or something and like it's always in that regard underwhelming because it's just like why are you like why have the marvel brand if you're not going to tie into the thing that like the thing that people know and love like you're doing your own thing i don't know it's weird the opportunity for this to be like for them to go to rio like we were talking about last season and like have some kind of aftermath from that movie or like it just feels like there's so many opportunities to like even if you never want to bring vin diesel back in here like he's still a producer i don't know how involved he is but like even if you don't want to have voice actors come in and have the characters we know like you could still to be part of the world reference things or go to places or feel like you're more connected because now it just feels like they're spies who drive sometimes but it's not fast and furious it's just like kind of the themes of that but like a lot of things kind of have like spot like it's also kind of bond and stuff right like i just i don't understand that i feel like the farther we go the less connection we have to the actual fast and furious and we don't even have the anchor character like a phil colson to be like no but he's from that other thing it's just the name it's just the name toretto in some ways i think that that can be kind of freeing though i think agents of shield 
was stuck by a lot of things that happened in the Marvel movies. And, you know, I know which uh, episode you're referring to early on where they did the cleanup after Thor The Dark World. But then about five months later, they had to deal with the fallout of Captain America, The Winter Soldier, which brought down the industry of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like it showed that there were Hydra agents who had infiltrated. So this whole series that you built on the premise of being about this organization, you topple it toward the end of the season because that's where the movies are going. It felt like they were more battered in the wind by things that happened in the movies than they were a fun and exciting part that got to do their own thing, but be part of the movies. Like, I know that there was some kind of connection with Age of Ultron. We weren't watching anymore by that point, so I don't know what it was. And I think they did something where they were able to skip the snap entirely. Like they traveled Mm. through time or were in outer space or something. But then I wonder with things that are going to be happening in the Marvel Universe starting soon, where we're going to be seeing alien races like the Kree that were heavily featured on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is Marvel Studios going to remain beholden to what was done on that show, or is it just going to be invalidated anyway? So with Spy Racers not having to conform or pay much consideration to the Fast and Furious franchise, it makes it a little little bit easier for them, because I think it would be kind of embarrassing for things from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to to be invalidated by later movies, because they put all that work in, and you tried to make us get so hyped for it, and believe in it and feel like it's a part of the marvel universe and you're just sort of writing over it why did you spend over a hundred episodes on that series then by keeping them separate you're kind of maintaining the integrity of both things essentially perhaps and there's kind of a complication to it right because I don't know how much I'm speaking from trade mags and maybe buying too much into the media machine of Twitter knows everything, right? Maybe I'm an asshole. There's a lot of things to be said for the fact that I'm pretty sure Marvel would have been done with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. after season two if they could have. And ABC was like, you guys have no idea how the Marvel brand works overseas for us. This makes us so much money. We can look the other way over in humans. We can let that go, right? So I think... I also think there's a question of at what point did the product stop working? I think for Marvel, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stopped working way early on. I don't think they ever liked Joss Whedon's vision for the show. I don't think Joss Whedon's vision for the show really worked with Captain America Winter Soldier. And considering that was, you know, a point he didn't continue working with the company... After that, he kind of walked away with Agents uh, with um, Age of Ultron. I do wonder how much we should force a company to accept a product that hinders the quality of what they can do. You know, I do agree, like the Kree, and they did a lot of stuff with the Inhumans, and they did bad stuff. But, you know, when you're talking about a, a product like the Fast and the Furious, you're talking about a product that, like, you know... 333 people have to sign off on every single thing. They can't make Fast and Furious bedsheets without 200 signatures, right? Yeah. So I have to wonder how far they'll go with this, right? If at some point they realize this is doing them no favors, if they'll just raise the field, they'll just burn it and they'll say Netflix at any point you want to take that off of your Netflix promo list, do it. 
I had a point in there somewhere. I just think this show has no purpose and no audience. It's at. It's just sort of. It exists. And, and I, I, yeah, that, that was that was my question too. Because you know, when we talked about the video game, like that might just still exist too. But at least you had Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez and Tyrese all show up as their characters, and you have them all looking like themselves and you have the new characters modeled after the actors so that they want to be added like that even if it only stays its own thing that at least has a path back to and i know that this is a little bit different we've talked about this before because it is animated and it's a little bit different but like by diverging so far it's just like hey we're just doing our own thing and again it's not good or bad it's just inherently independent and it's you know okay yeah no i mean i completely it's it's what it is you know yeah and the other thing I would compare it to is the is a, a thing that used to kind of blow my my parents' minds as when I uh, when my aunt and uncle were trying to have kids. It was ninety seven, so I was like eleven or twelve. I was obsessed with Buffy. My mom and I used to watch Friends, and my aunt Vicky commented that she couldn't believe what they got away with on Buffy and on Friends. It turned out later on that that was actually like a a point of interesting discussion, the Buffy Friends factor. Because Buffy was super low in the ratings because of the availability of the WB, but super well critically received, whereas Friends was just like the number one sitcom in the world. Mm-hmm. Both of them had kind of carte blanche to get away with things and kind of set the bar for, oh my godery, you maybe couldn't believe. It's unbelievable that they were able to get away with those things. And one did it because there was no avoiding it, Friends, and one did it because it was just under the radar enough. It could be that thanks to the fact that Fast and Furious Spy Racers is just under the radar, perhaps they're testing the viability of some of this. Perhaps some of this is seeing what audiences react to positively and negatively in kind of like a test market sort of way where they're they're kind of floating it. If you take a look at the Pixar shorts, the Pixar short attached to the, I'm just making this up real quick, the 1998 movie has a lot of thematic visual elements similar to the 1999 movie. Then the short attached to the 99 movie has thematic elements in common with the 2000 movie. And this actually goes on for a while, and it was often because they were testing things and learning dimensions and how to stylize, and there was a reason for it. And so perhaps that's what they're doing here, kind of like testing the waters on some farm ideas or like we said earlier in our run, branding into a generation that in 10 years will be interested in new Fast and Furious projects. And the longer they keep it on, the more they brand it into kids' minds. Yeah, you're just like setting up your next batch of kids to, to hop on board. I'm wondering if I'm looking up now, if something I've never looked up before, I wonder if there's like merchandising. So there's a bunch of books in the Fast and Furious Spy Racers book series. Oh, there's books? I didn't even know that there was books. There's some Hot Wheels toys. Like, this feels like the kind of thing... Actually, these Hot Wheels toys are kind of cool. It feels like the kind of thing, to that point, Nico, where it's like building the brand loyalty and love for the the, the main movies, whatever, down the road, but also just like a, a way to make like millions of dollars in actual toys because you can... Like, the car is built in, right? It's like, it's cars, right? Like, you just Hot Wheels or whatever... But it just feels like, and maybe I'm just so far removed from every sphere in which this would be covered, but like, it doesn't feel like anybody's talking about these. And honestly, it doesn't seem like anybody's talking about it on Twitter. Like, I'm trying True. to not use one, like, okay, I'm uh, hear me out. Using the right metric for the right thing makes sense, right? If something is fandom 
right? So if something is really key to the idea of the social consciousness of what fans are looking for, and it's really popular on Facebook, well, okay, then that might be where everybody on Facebook is going to talk about that thing. But fandom primarily exists at this point on Twitter and Insta, maybe Twitter and Reddit, depending on the fandom. I wouldn't try to predict mass social consciousness by Facebook reaction. However, if I'm looking to know actual average reviews on a product, yeah, I would probably check like Amazon or Facebook before I would look to Twitter. Understand your social barometers. This is not trending on any social barometer I would think it would trend on. The only place I'm seeing it are sort of those sponsored posts. Comic book news out reach website news article database.com says spy racers season three sahara has all the bloops blips and blip blops that you need for a netflix dot 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 click here that's really all the action i'm seeing on it i i don't know who this is for or who's watching it that they've cranked out these three seasons with such vigor because it's it's three seasons in what joe like 366 days or something yeah 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 it was just about a year yeah. that's nuts insane because like you know the next game we're gonna play the the twitter game it's like you know i'm sure we all did the fast and furious pirates of sahara search on there there's not a lot of tweets to pick from right like it seems like the things that are breaking through that are trending are musicians who have their music both, <laughs> i remember this from rio too but like hey my songs in this game or this my songs in this movie or whatever the song, my songs well, in this let's TV also show. think it's about like, the fact that we're talking about a tv show aimed at children how much do we want social media having discussions to lure in children by the programming that their parents trust them with so like this is also a fair point and this is what i was thinking too like maybe the demographic is that it is playing really well with children that are just too young for social media that's why i was know. saying like maybe i'm just too far removed from the spheres in which like the toy sphere and the kids animate like you know and like but like if the one if if the if the probable path that Nico has been positing of grooming children to like the movies at some point it feels like even though it's a lesser amount there should be some kind of kind of like a concurrent path of like getting people who love the movies like us to like talk about to watch the show too because it's like hey there's no new fast and furious movie till may but like here's a new season for you guys and like it feels like that path is absent and maybe they maybe they failed or maybe like they're not trying to do that i don't know but it feels like if the main thing is like targeting kids to like the movies it feels like a reasonable goal or reasonable expectation to be targeting people who love the movies to also like the tv show yeah that doesn't seem like it's happening well no. especially because netflix doesn't have the fast and furious films right also true yeah were there original release dates that coincide with the spy racer seasons like perhaps the original original release dates were like Christmas May Christmas or whatever it was Christmas October Christmas perhaps originally this was going to drop animated series animated season with film animated season with film or something because I don't know cuz like it came the like first May season, or yeah April. the first season came out before there was any covid delays and so it came out day after Christmas or the week after Christmas whatever ostensibly 4 months before F9. And then that gets delayed, which also kind of impacts the video game release date. But then Rio comes out late summer, which that might, I mean, they could have maybe dropped that around the movie. They didn't announce. They're just like, hey, this is out in two weeks. And then this is another Christmas thing. So I don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem to align, but I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, 
Any other thoughts, or do you want to play a couple games? Game me. First up, this ain't no 10-second race, a.k.a. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. This is where we go on Twitter.com, a.k.a. The Bird app, and call for people who might be interested in our podcast and reach out to them. So let me review last time. We did this most recently on our Fast and Furious Crossroads episode. I found Corey Johnston at Spikey's 123 underscore Vin Diesel in colon Fast and Furious Crossroads 2, baby. Hashtag the Game Awards. I said, we'll take Vin Diesel in all the games. Thank you very much. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. Joe, you found a long, long, long tweet from Bryce Poles at Bryce Poles talking about Crossroads game. I think, right? Is this what this is? Yes. It started with, okay, well, at some point I got high and pre-ordered the first Fast and Furious game, or the pre-ordered the Fast and Furious game, so now I'm playing it. And then it's all this thing, and it ends with, okay, now Cam is driving a car that can force push. Is this the best video game ever made? You said, we talked about all about Crossroads here. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. Nico found Adam Burke at ATP Burke on Twitter. I realize that we are one film away from the 10th Fast and Furious movie, and I would like to now publicly start the campaign to ensure that it is called Fast 10 Your Seatbelts, or I'll be furious. We can do this. I said, we co-sign. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Three likes. We got one from Wells. Does not count. We got one from Mike Manzi. Does not count. But Nico, you got one from Adam Burke, the tweeter himself. So Nico, you get one point. Bing. There you go. I will take it. You just live life mile by mile. <laughs> that's that's the saying. That is the saying. And then Kevo found Joe at nice to know Joe. I'm rewatching the Fast and Furious series, and then the smiley face emoji with the hearts all around it. Come join the Joes. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. Joe, do you want to do yours first? Sure. I found at Daniel Akinado. And he says, the best thing I've done this holiday is watch Fast and the Furious Spy Racers with my brother, Adrenaline Junkies. Boy, I'm going to say, unless you have a better idea, what? it's our favorite holiday tradition. Boy, do we have a podcast it's for perfect. you. And your brother. And your brother. Yep. I mean, we're making an appeal to family, right? So Exactly. Nico, you found your old drinking buddy, Jay Dobbs, at Jay Dobbs Rosa. We watched your Wonder Womans and your Souls, but now it's time for the good stuff. Fast and Furious Spy Racers Sahara. Ooh. Sahara. So sorry. So, Sahari, so Sahari just dropped on Netflix. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Boy, do what we you have think? a podcast for you. Come and check out our show. Yeah, yeah. That's that's our new cheer. I like it. All right. Kevo found at or DreamWorks, at DreamWorks, while Rafaela and Matsuo sneak into a secret military base to steal a piece of tech for Cleve, Tony and Layla drive in a dune buggy race to win back their crew's freedom. The all-new season of Fast Fury Spy Racers is now streaming, and I'm going to say this is one of our favorite scenes. And then DreamWorks, you gotta watch this. You gotta watch this. You gotta gotta listen to the show. (laughs) Exactly. You make it, you watch it. You watch it, you listen, you experience it all together. I don't... (laughs) I don't know who this is. He has 500,000 followers. What? Followed by Tony Jaa. He's an entertainment industry tracker who covers Hollywood. Ramesh Bala at Ramesh... Laos. When Ms. Nowhere and Gary disappear while on a mission in the Sahara, the Spy Racers must step up to the plate and finish what Ms. Nowhere started. Get ready for an all-new season of Fast and Furious Spy Racers coming to Netflix India on December 26th. Wow. Okay. Why do we have a podcast for you, Netflix India? Yeah, seriously. We would love to host the after show. Exhaust fumes. Okay, I mean, yeah, okay, That's that, I'm, I'm going to steal that. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. We'd love to host an after show about Spy Racers 
called exhaust fumes. This guy's not going to, he's not going to even see the tweet, but he's just going to, if he does see it, ignore it. I don't know what this means. Come on, Ramesh, or Netflix India, either one. I will take, I will take uh, likes from either one. Well, Nico Kevo, thank you so much. We have finally done it. We have finished this lap. We have made it through to the end of the memory loss lap. Now, quiz, remind us every plot detail of every movie and every TV show. Go. This is the ultimate quiz, the memory loss lap. Please start now from the first minute of the first movie <laughs> and do not finish until you get through all nine movies, three seasons, two short films, and, and the video, video game. game. And, and video go. Game. Where can no. we find you at? Oh, just no. Okay. Uh, then what do you want to plug? So there was no. once a magical car wizard. <laughs> and his name was Dom the Mumbler. And Dom the Mumbler came across Brian the Doofy Cop. And to... I am so glad you said cop. I can't even imagine what word you thought I was going to say. Cock. Oh, yeah, it's possible. Well, so that's that's the plot of the films. And as for what we want to plug, uh, as always, X and HTML, guys, it's been so great being on this show. We've had such an amazing time. It's sad that it's finally over, but it's been an incredible rush sitting in the bucket seat of this wannabe Mustang, and I've loved it. Glad to have you guys. Thank you for joining us this lab. It's appreciated. Kevo, anything to add? Vroom, vroom. Aw, lug nuts. Aw, lug nuts. <laughs> well, Joe, next week on Tuesday is our last Friday episode for the foreseeable future. We are kicking off lap eight, the Tokyo Drift lap, with Heather Antos talking about the Fast Ooh. and the Furious from 2001. Perfect. Very exciting. Yes. For all things Too Fast 2 Forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast 2 Forever, or at Too Fast 2 Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at Too Fast 2 Forever.com and our store at Too Fast 2 Forever.shop. And come back next week as we officially kick off lap eight with the Fast and the Furious. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And that was Nico Vasillo and Kevo Reese of the Husbands Talking More or Less podcast, and we'll tell you all about it.